Welcome to the Dialogue Podcast of the Jewish Reconstructionist Communities. I'm Hila Ratsabi, Editorial Associate at Ritual Well. These podcasts are part of a broader series exploring relevant topics through a Reconstructionist lens. This month, we're hosting discussions with leaders on the cutting edge of the Jewish community in general, and Reconstructionist communities specifically. Today, my guest is Rabbi Shira Stutman, Director of Jewish Programming at Sixth and I in Washington, D.C. Thanks so much for joining me today, Shira. It's great to be here. So I'd love to hear about your background and your role at Sixth and I. Just kind of talk about sort of how you got there and, and what is your role there. Sure. So I started leading services at Sixth and I about, I don't know, almost eight years ago now, I would say, when I was still living in Philadelphia. And I would come up here every month or every other month um, to lead a special service just for young professionals, which is a very imprecise term that we use to refer to Jewish-affiliated young people in their 20s or 30s. And I moved to D.C. five years ago, and I started working here more full-time at that point. So can you talk a little bit about sort of what you do as director of Jewish programming? Yeah, Sixth and I is a very unusual place. It's one part arts and culture center, and so almost every night of the week uh, we have different, sometimes Jewish but often not Jewish, uh, musicians or authors come here to play their music or to or to give a talk about a book that they've just written. So, for instance, in the months to come, we're going to have everyone here from Ta-Nehisi Coates to Mindy Kaling, um, both of whom have written uh, books, who will be talking about their book. And we'll also um, be having lots of concerts by many, many musicians whose names I don't know <laughs> because <laughs> I... I don't know who, uh, it's, uh, the music is all supposed to engage people in their 20s and 30s, and that's just not my age <laughs> group anymore. Um, but what I do is I work on uh, the religious programming, the Jewish programming. So if we're one part arts and culture center, we're also one part synagogue center as well. Um, and we have all sorts of programs to engage, again, the young professionals in their 20s and 30s in D.C. comes as no surprise that there are a lot of people in that age group in D.C., and also of those people, a lot of them didn't grow up here, so they really are looking for a home. We see ourselves a little bit um, as an extension of the Hillel experience, and uh, Jewish programming functions at Sixth and I much more like what a Hillel would look like on campus than what a typical old-school synagogue would look like in any given city in the state. So... Any given week, I spend a few nights teaching. I do a lot of workshops and classes with interfaith couples or people newer to Judaism, um, or I would be leading services. I don't lead every single week because, like a Hillel, we have lots of different types of services that go on all the time. I also spend a tremendous amount of time in um, counseling or other conversations with young people who are figuring out what it means to be an adult and to be a Jewish adult uh, in the 21st century. And can you speak a little bit more about that relationship between cultural and religious programming and um, and even why you think it's important that a synagogue perhaps should also serve as a cultural center? Yeah, I can give you a bunch of reasons for why it's important. And I just want to just give the caveat that I'm not giving them in order of importance. Sure. Um, I think one of the reasons that it's important is because 
the history of Jewish tradition is the history of engaging ideas, all sorts of ideas, you know, from the um, more superficial, you know, like some of the reality TV stars that we've had here over the last year, to the ones that are, God willing, critically changing the conversation that we're having in America, like, for instance, Anahasi Coates, or like Justice Breyer, who's coming also this fall with one of his books. So that all of this feels very Jewish um, in terms of the conversations that we're engendering here at Sixth and I. Um, another reason that it's important is because for a lot of Jews in the 21st century, being Jewish, you know, whether they're a Jew or sort of Jewish, as we say, is only one part of a multifaceted identity. So when I was growing up, if you ask me what I was, I would say I was Jewish without, without even thinking twice. But nowadays, it's a very rare, well, especially at Sixth and I, it's a very rare Sixth and I who will, if you say, what are you, will say Jewish with nothing else. And so what we're doing is we're recognizing, um, we're recognizing the diversity of identities that uh, virtually all of the young people that we serve carry nowadays. And the third thing that I would say about why it's important to have an arts and culture center, I mean, aside from the fact that arts and culture is wonderful and adds to the D.C. landscape in a way that makes me proud to be associated with Six and I, um, there's also, um, it also brings in money for Six and I. We are trying a new financial model in our synagogue. There are no dues. So there's, there's no membership, as it were, the way that we understand membership at a synagogue. And so as such, we need to bring in, we have a $3 million a year budget, and we need to cover it. And so uh, selling tickets um, brings in revenue for us that helps us do all of the programming that we get to do here at Six and I. I think that, um, you know, what you're saying about acknowledging the multifaceted aspects of people's identity that Jewish is not the only marker of our identities um, in this generation is so important. And, and a lot of Jewish institutions kind of don't get that yet. And, um, and so I guess related to that, do you think that the model of Jewish and cultural programming at Sixth and I is something that could be repl replicable? And if so, what would other institutions need to learn in order to create more vibrant programming? I think it's such a great question because as you can imagine, we get asked it all the time. Um, so, you know, I'm going to give you such a Jewish answer. I'm going to say yes and no. Um, speaking from a basic business perspective, when we have uh, a lot of these book talks, um, we don't have to pay the authors who are coming in because when you're on book tour, you go to different places in all the cities. And so it's, it's not, it's not, you don't get paid for it. What you're trying to do is sell books. Um, so with that in mind, do I think there could be a sixth and I Peoria exactly the same way that we make things work here? I don't think it would work because, um, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert is not going to necessarily go to Peoria on her book tour because it's just, it's sort of, quote unquote, it doesn't have a big, enough people, I guess, for her at the stage of the game. So like in a very practical sense, no, sixth and I could not work in the exact same way in other places. That said, yes, of course sixth and I could work in any city or location around the country. If by work you mean create a, a very 21st century, multifaceted understanding of what it means to participate in Jewish community that at its base um, holds the value of welcoming above all other values, that's something that could be recreated anywhere. The idea of playing with membership models and what it means to belong to a synagogue, that could be recreated anywhere. The idea of tapping into the zeitgeist of people in their 20s and 30s who live in any specific area, that could be recreated anywhere. Although, 
there is another caveat there because in D.C., of course, we have a critical mass of people in that age, right? If you are in, I don't know, what you know, like we talk about the plony as like the sort of the general unnamed person. So, you know, Peoria is our general unnamed city. Um, not all Peorias have enough uh, young professionals to, to make it work. But, but that being said, I, I think that the energy that we've created at Sixth and I can be recreated anywhere. And, you know, the specifics of it, you would just have to do what's right for the city that you're in. Can you give us an example of one of the events that you're most proud of curating at Sixth and I, and what made that event so successful? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I love our arts and culture events, and one of my favorite stories to tell about it is, um, you know, Sixth and I sends out a postcard every single month, and on the postcard there was this, one of the bands we were promoting at that point, it was called First Aid Kit. I think that's it. I've never heard of this band in my life, but one of my friends called me and said, we got your postcard, and my daughter, who was in high school, saw the postcard and said, um, oh my gosh, Sixth and I is having First Aid Kit. Rabbi Shira is so cool. <laughs> As if I had anything to do with it. And I think that is part of the special sauce that does make Sixth and I work, that people assume that religious programming is cool because the arts and culture programming is cool as well. But I can't speak to any of that programming because that's just not, that's not my bread and butter. I think in terms of programs that we've done that I'm most um, proud of, I'll just give you two. One is a program called The Ten. Um, I actually didn't create, I, I was a, came late to this game, but the idea is to celebrate the holiday of Shavuot, which, as you know, Shavuot often, uh, as you know, to quote Rodney Dangerfield, it's like, uh, it's the holiday that gets no respect, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, students, maybe it's because Hebrew school is over, maybe it's because there's no large ritual around it, but Shavuot can get lost in the Jewish calendar. And so what we did was we created a program called The Ten to try to bring the holiday of Shavuot back to American Jews and to sort of lift up some of the values, the values of Jewish learning, the values of eating dairy, but the values of celebrating the harvest of our fruits all together. Um, and so every year we bring in different um, big names to talk about their own Jewish journey um, and, and in doing so to sort of um, lift up the holiday of Shavuot and the idea of talking about our Jewish journey. So for instance, one year we had uh, Nathan Englander, who is an author, talking about a, he had just published a book. Um, one year we had uh, David Plotz and Hannah Rosen, who were talking, uh, they, I think they did a, a, they rewrote one of the books of the prophets, and they did a modern skit. I forget, it was, it was awesome. Um, last year we had Josh Radner, who was on this television show called How I Met Your Mother, which I had never even heard of, of course, but you know, the younger people had. Um, and just a few months ago, we had Natasha Leone, who um, is famous for many, most, for many um, roles, most recently of which, of course, is on Orange is the New Black. And all of these people got up on our Bima, and they talked about what it meant to them, what it means to them to be Jewish, and how Judaism is a part of their everyday life. And they would study text from the Bima with uh, myself or Rabbi Scott Perlow, the other rabbi on staff. So I think that's just... It's a great example of like the sort of intersection between uh, pop culture, um, Jewish history, Jewish ritual, and Jewish identity, um, all on you know one bima on one evening, and um, you know that is the kind of thing that you can create in other places. 
Um, another program that I'm part of that I'm really proud of is our Jewish Welcome Workshop, uh, which is, uh, we created it as a conversion class. Um, but what it's become is an intro to Judaism class for all different types of people. Um, we talk about Sixth and I as being a sort of off the birthright bus kind of place. So if you're someone who went to college and might have gone to Hillel once or twice, um, you went on birthright and you were like, okay, there might be something here for me. Um, and you get off the bus and you're like, okay, what do I do now? So Sixth and I is the place we want you to come next. Um, and so for a lot of these people, even some of them who actually did attend a little bit of Hebrew school, what they know about Judaism is quite minimal and certainly doesn't compare to what they know about nuclear physics or, you know, policy or medicine, whatever their sort of day job is. And so this 31-week Intro to Judaism class teaches of course, teaches about Judaism, but what it does even more is it helps create community among participants. The vast majority of participants in this program, if you ask them what the phrase Kihila Kedusha means before they begin, they will have no idea what that phrase means. Um, but by the end of the time together, you know, what I always say, we're creating a Kihila Kedusha, a holy community. And what we mean by community is it's a bunch of people who love each other, even if they don't all like each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Sort of like a family in that way. Um, and I think that for a lot of young people in their 20s and 30s, um, creating authentic community um, is something that they want without consciously knowing it. Um, so many of the young people I work with say, well, I have community in my yoga studio or at my local coffee shop, and, and I don't want to disparage either of those places. They're quite important, you know, as, as third spaces, you know, in the, contemporary, um, in the contemporary world. But I think that what it means to be an authentic community is a little bit more, is a little bit deeper than your local coffee joint, um, even as well as you know the barista is there. And I think in this Jewish Welcome Workshop, we really, sort of, we really explore what it means to be in community and what it means to be vulnerable with people in community, um, learning about Judaism all the while. And at the end of the year, for mo many of our years, we go to Israel as a class. Um, not everyone goes because, as you can imagine, it's expensive. But we also get to experience being in Israel together with all of the beauty and all of the challenges associated with that as well. That's wonderful. Wow. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> As we sort of like start to wind down, I, I have a little bit more general questions that we've been asking um, across these different podcast interviews about this theme of Reconstructionist Judaism being described as cutting edge. And I'd love to ask you if you agree with this assertion. Um, and if so, how would you define cutting edge? And maybe do you see your work that you do? Um, you know, whether or not it's inspired by Reconstructionist Judaism as cutting edge? Well, look, I see my, I definitely see my work as inspired by Reconstructionist Judaism. You know, the old joke about Reconstructionism is that it, it is basically what many Jewish Americans already are. They just don't know it yet. Um, and if by Reconstructionism we mean creating um, a Jewish life that is, um, thoughtful and reflective and traditional and forward-thinking and progressive and so many other things that I can't even, you know, don't come to mind right now, um, then everything that I do here at Sixth and I is, of course, Reconstructionist. Um, you know, the idea, the word, the phrase, cutting edge, it's, it's a little bit, uh, you know, cliche at this point. 
what I hope that I do in my rabbinate, you know, who knows how successful we are or not. What I hope that I do is I, I help put forward cutting edge Judaism, but not as an end unto itself, right? That the, that the forest doesn't get lost for the trees, I guess. Um, so that we're cutting edge, but we're cutting edge and also rooted in tradition. And we're cutting edge, but not just to see how far we can push the envelope. There's actually a reason to it. You know, one of the things that, we talked about for a while was the idea of having a text message um, screen up at high holiday services, right? That's nothing if not cutting edge, where, like, people send in text messages during Rosh Hashanah services, and they sort of, they get displayed on a screen behind me. At the end of the day, we decided that's cutting edge, but not to the end that we're trying to cultivate, which is an end of community building and an end of thoughtfulness and nuance and prayerfulness. So... Are we cutting edge? I, gosh, I hope to God so. Um, because if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. There's no such thing as staying in the same place. But I, I hope that when we are cutting edge, we're doing it to a holy end and not just as an end unto itself. That, I think that's really well said. One last thing before we finish, are there any other projects or any other initiatives that you want to draw attention to? Well, I guess I'll just say one last thing, which is that I spoke a tiny bit about this idea of uh, welcoming being a primary value here at Sixth and I. And, you know, I learned many things during my time at RRC. One of them I use all the time is the idea of, of values clarification. And I, you know, everything I'm about to say obviously comes from uh, David Teutsch's work, among others as well. But this idea that all the time we are holding many different Jewish, competing Jewish values when we make decisions about how we're going to behave Jewishly in this world, and that in order to be intellectually honest, we just have to acknowledge that there are competing values, and we have to ultimately choose, prioritize the ones that are most meaningful to us. Um, and here at Sixth and I, we value Hachnasat Orchim, welcoming guess over anything else. And it's challenging sometimes because it means we're having a very wide conversation about Israel from the left and from the right. Um, it means that we're having a very wide conversation about what it means to be Jewish in terms of the boundaries of Jewishness. Um, it means a very wide conversation about what Jewish practice looks like. And so it's not always comfortable, but... <laughs> But it's always important, and I think uh, there are, I really do think there are a few places other than Sixth and I, there, there are a few places that have valued welcoming in this way. There are other values that are critically important, like tradition, like community. I'm not, you know, that, that one can make an argument that could or should be the, the primary value of an institution. It's just not ours. Ours is being welcoming to all who want to come through the door in all of its beauty and in all of its tension. And I think um, this idea of being a welcoming institution is, um, I learned a lot of that from RRC and from my time being associated with the Reconstructionist movement. Great. Well, thank you so much for participating in this conversation today, Rabbi Shira. It was so great to have you. And um, we invite our listeners to explore other podcasts and essays at www.jewishrecon.org. Please join the conversation by commenting on the essays on the website. Follow us on Twitter and tweet at us um, at RRC Community and like our Facebook page, RRC Reconstructionist Rabbinical College. And we will see you next time.